McGurk! I love not typing. Not mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, although for this episode of the podcast, we might as well be Superman Radio. Uh, uh, but welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And since the Flash movie, which is going to be featuring Supergirl, is uh, close to being released in theaters and it's going to change all of our lives, our lives Forever. will never be the same. <laughs> uh, but since it's about to come out and... It appears to be recreating some of the sequences from Man of Steel, directed by Zack Snyder. I, I like to say Zack Snyder's Man of Steel because, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League is titled at, with his name in it. So I think really from from here on out, he should just have all of his movies be Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Zack Snyder's <laughs> Like, that's what I would do. I would just always, like, title my movies, like... Rebecca, Rebecca Johnson's Man of Steel. <laughs> That's what I would do. Um, but uh, it is uh, seemingly featuring some sequences or redoing or recreating some sequences for Man of Steel. And uh, so I talked Morgan into rewatching it and Fine. talking about it with me. Because uh, uh, in to Morgan's credit, she uh, is a very good friend. I just want everybody to know this. She, When I proposed this idea, she said, well... I didn't really like it, and I know you really like it, and I'd hate to, like, come with negative opinions about it. <laughs> I but, don't want to rain on anyone's parade. <laughs> but there's a difference between talking about it with Morgan than uh, talking about it to trolls on the internet or on Twitter specifically. So there's a, quite a bit of difference there. <laughs> so, so I don't mind a little uh, disagreement uh, as, long as, <laughs> as long as it's a fun and a good time was had by all. And uh, we've we disagreed about things in the past. That's true. So I don't, I don't think it's too much of a, a problem. So um, I am curious about your perspective on this film because we've never really talked about this one. I think we've sort of talked about Justice no, no, League we a little really, bit, yeah, but not about this one in particular. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts. But before we get into talking about Man of Steel, we need to get to the news. Yes. Well, we have some very exciting news for you this time. <laughs> On May 13th, Jaden Smith, yes, the Jaden Smith, <laughs> uh, tweeted, The Flash just changed my life, WTF. And <laughs> with a picture uh, inside of a theater showing a Flash movie on the big screen. So, Or, or a movie poster, I should have. Oh, I movie it was a movie poster. See, you see that Jaden is, he wasn't ready to have his life changed. And yet it's, it, it was by this movie. And, and I think that's what we're looking forward to is sort of having like a, a pre the flash movie, a post the flash movie reality. Um, <laughs> I'm enjoying the pre, the pre times, because I think that 
things are going to be very different in my life after we see this movie <laughs> as they are in Jaden's life now. And uh, we're really, we're happy for him that he's gone through the transformation. <laughs> we can't wait to go through it ourselves. <laughs> can't wait to see what he's going to do now that his life has changed. That his whole life has changed. But as, as he says, WTF, like he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready for that to happen. He didn't, he didn't expect it. <laughs> See, I think we have prepared ourselves. We're we're more emotionally ready than <laughs> like we're 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 like oh, it happened to Tom Cruise, it happened to Jaden, it happened to Dave Zaslav, who has no financial stake in how this movie does in any way. Uh, so we're we're I think we're we're ready for it to happen to us as well. Yeah, so that's exciting. Uh, it does look like Jaden Smith got some sort of pre-screening uh or pre uh release date screening so he did it seems like he did go see the film Ooh. so uh i don't know how that happens but i guess i, uh, I don't get it but i guess i'm not a smith so yeah i think you have to be a smith in order probably to get <laughs> so uh that's another uh, uh it's another example of someone being uh really hyped for this film and so i don't know what I am to make of this, but I have to say I started out being very sarcastic about the amount of hype around this movie. And now I'm like, maybe it's going to be a pretty good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm afraid that they're starting to bring me around now. Like I'm afraid that like maybe Jaden was like the last nail <laughs> in the coffin of my skepticism for this movie. Now I'm going to go in and be like, Rebecca, it's happening. And be like, Please what's happening to you. <laughs> like an invasion of the body snatcher situation and like I, because i'm bought in i like come out different <laughs> <laughs> well, i just hope like people don't start like you know evaporating or something like one of the, us. <laughs> one of us. like what if what if people like actually have like a physical transformation like the flash or maybe there's like some sort of mind control that happens Ooh, in the it's, it's it's like they're it's w uh, warner brothers discoveries version of myriad and we all <laughs> We all come out and we're like, I loved The Flash. <laughs> My whole great. life is different. <laughs> the greatest movie of all time. This is not a paid post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Jaden seemed to really like it. So that's uh, take it for, you know, uh, how you want to take that. Um, okay. Well, let's get into the discussion that we came here to have and uh, talk about the film, the film Man of St Steel. I always have a hard time uh, when I'm talking about Man of Steel because of my Southern accent, like, <laughs> out and, and sometimes they say still. Um, but uh, Man of Steel. And so this is the HBO Max description, which I didn't realize they were still HBO Max. I thought they were just going to change. To Max? I thought it was just going to be Max, but I, it, I appreciate. I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy all the time I have with HBO Max <laughs> before I lose. I, I have to start calling it Max, like I'm a character from Saved by the Bell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so their their website still like I looked it up uh, on the browser instead of on my phone. It still says HBO Max, so I'm, that's what I'm going to refer to it as. So here is the HBO Max description of Man of Steel. Uh, quote, Clark Kent feels alienated by powers beyond anyone's imagination and soon discovers that having super abilities means making very difficult decisions. But when the world comes under attack, will he maintain peace or divide and conquer? Unquote. Which I think is a pretty bad description of <laughs> uh, my I had a I had a question so I I wasn't sure if this was a copy and paste or if this was like the actual description shouldn't that last sentence have a question mark 
Uh, you know, it might on HBO Max. It okay, may have. Okay. I did. I didn't want to. I didn't want to judge uh, Veronica, the description no, writer, too harshly. That may not be a Veronica problem. That might have been a Rebecca typing fast problem. <laughs> that always, that could happen. Veronica did have a question mark, so I'm going to change it in the doc. <laughs> give Veronica the the props for having the question mark at least. These are the hard hitting questions that I. Uh, I will say, um, I took it very seriously. I want you to know that from the bottom of my heart. I took it very seriously. I made notes. <gasps> my phone as I watched this fine film. Wow. It says Man of Steel notes. <laughs> uh, if anybody wanted to freeze frame, you can see some of my fun notes. They're not that exciting. There's one that just says, forgot how much Jonathan kind of sucks. Typical Jonathan Kent. <laughs> so... <laughs> Something's changed. Something stay the same, baby. <laughs> okay, now that's that's a good one to start with because I'm very interested in uh, your perspective. So, why do you think Jonathan Kent? Not necessarily just a Man of Steel, but like no. in general, do you think that's across the board? Like Jonathan Kent is the worst. <laughs> I, so I won't so say why. in every telling. I will say some of this is judged by the many, many years I spent in the Smallville salt mines um, <laughs> where their version of Jonathan Kent just like wasn't the best. He would like he would have a good moment and then he would have like a terrible moment and you'd be like, I just don't know where you jumped from like A to B. You know, Jonathan, Jonathan Kent in Smallville had like precognition abilities where he just like knew people were going to be evil based on their comic book counterparts and would treat them accordingly, despite the fact that they had given him like no indication of like what they were like. So he was super mean to Lex for like no reason whatsoever, pretty much like the whole time. And like Lex would be like, I got your son a car. And he'd be like, my son doesn't need a car. He's this donkey. He's been riding. It's fine. (laughs) It'd just be like wild stuff. And so um, he also sort of shares the man of steel versions thought process, which is that like people, you can't trust them. Right. Um, And uh, you know, people, they be sneaky and <laughs> that you have to hide your right. abilities um, and just the way that they and this is a, this was a Smallville problem, too, is that they would go so over the top in like making sure nobody could find out Clark's abilities that they would do stuff that was like kind of messed up. So like in Smallville, for instance, spoiler alert, but like they fully let Lex think that he was like going crazy for like several episodes, like just left him in an actual mental institution <laughs> because they were like, Clark, you Clark, you could just get your good friend who was, again, giving you, like, multiple cars. You could get him out by being like, I believe in you. Yeah. But, like, I mean, can you trust him? Can you, Clark? And he'd be like, I don't know. I can't. And then in this movie, he saves, like, a bus full of kids. And Jonathan Kent goes, I mean, you might have. Maybe you should have just let him drown. Uh, my favorite, because Clark goes, like, what was I supposed to do? Let him drown? Jonathan takes a moment. He, he goes, Maybe. Maybe. Dad? <laughs> well, well, so there is a lot of controversy around that statement, and I can understand why but people I will have say, some visceral to me, re- reaction to it. To me, that felt character correct for Jonathan. <laughs> I watched like five seasons of that guy, and that guy would have absolutely said maybe in any <laughs> scenario in which like Clark could have possibly exposed his power. So like in a way, it was like putting on like a warm blanket. I was like, ah, yes, Jonathan, just like you always were. <laughs> yeah, there actually 
actually a lot of similarities to uh, Smallville's Jonathan Kent and Man of Steel's Jonathan Kent, to your point, uh, because they they both fear the government coming and taking Clark. And um, so that is why they're so protective of his powers and his uh, secret. And uh, so I understand why people uh, judge the Man of Steel version because of the maybe comment. But uh, I think the the screenwriting is trying to get you to the point of the ending. So that conversation, in my opinion, sets up the ending between Superman and General Zod, where he has to let him die. He has he has to kill him. So there's that question that, and I think it's a a good question to pose for Superman because, uh, like we talk about all the time with Supergirl, like Superman can save a lot of people, but sh- should he or can he save everyone? Um, so I think there's a, you know, a philosophical question to be had about who do you save? And Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice takes that even farther in terms of like, um, um, you know, su- anytime Superman saves somebody, he's choosing who to save and who not to save. And so I think that question is really, people don't want to think about that with Superman. I, think that's I mean, the problem with Man of Steel is people don't want to have to think about like, oh, maybe he shouldn't, uh, uh, or maybe he shouldn't do that because he needs to go over there and do that. I, I don't think people want to... I think the problem with all superheroes is that if you think about them a little bit too much, you're like, well, like, when Carr is at work and, like, somebody's in a burning building around the around the globe, like, does she just go and save them? Or does she sometimes, like, oh, I gotta go to that big meeting. Like, <laughs> I mean, the, the problem is, like, either you would be literally saving people every second of your life, not sleeping and probably going insane. Or at some point you have to like make some decisions about like, well, I need to sleep sometimes. Sorry. Earthquake. You know, like it's, I think it's, it's not usually in superhero medium because it's pretty dark. Honestly, it's like, you don't really, you want to kind of glaze over that stuff (laughs) and not think too hard about it. Because to your point, like, yeah, of course, they're always going to be making choices about who they can save and who they can't. And obviously, even though they're aliens, they're like human beings to a certain perspective. And like, they can't just be, you know, constantly flying around the world, saving everybody 24-7. It's like, not doable. But I thought that the Jonathan Kent stuff was interesting. I didn't like, really have a problem with it so much because, again, maybe people have – I, like, I, I feel like people probably had a big problem with, oh, my God, Jonathan was so terrible. And I'm like, you, sir, have not watched Smallville. Um, <laughs> they, have a, they have a Norman Rockwell Character version. correct. <laughs> character <Kent>. correct. <laughs> uh, but I also thought it kind of it kind of pulled back to this idea of, like, Clark in early in the movie kind of doesn't trust people because of what he got from Jonathan. So like at the end of the movie, when he, he has come out and he is trusting people, that's like a character journey that he's. Oh yeah. Yeah. He um, actually gets to the point where he opens himself up to Lois. He makes friends with the the people in the military. He gets a job. He has a steady job instead of just going around the world. (laughs) Instead Uh, of just wandering, (laughs) saving people, and sometimes messing up a truck. (laughs) (laughs) Which also is uh, something that comes out of Smallville. I think it's from the Smallville. Is it from the pilot? When the the, he messes up that kid's car at the dance? It's in season one. Like, that's... That's very close to the Smallville version of Clark as well. 
they do have quite a few Smallville callouts in this movie, which I remember noticing back in 2013 and also notice now. Like they meant uh, Lana is in that bus. Yep. She's like the the nice girl that kind of like looks over at him. Uh, she does not at any point whisper about secrets or lies. So I wasn't quite sure it was her. <laughs> but it would have been great if she was like, is this a secret? <laughs> and that's how he got his first girlfriend. Um, but uh, Pete, Pete Ross is also yeah. in this. He's um, a bully. He's a bully, uh, which is very different than the Pete that we saw in Smallville. Um, no Chloe, but there is, they do have like a fight in front of a Sullivan's garage, right. which feels like it was probably a Chloe Sullivan nod. Uh, so yeah, I, I liked seeing all the little, and they, they mention, um, I think they mentioned Fordham, which was Whitney's uh, yes. last name. That's supposed to be a, a nod to uh, Whitney in season one of Smallville. Yeah. So if you're a Smallville fan, some of the stuff checks out, but some of it checks out. Some of it's going to feel real right, real familiar. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's why I never understood why people. Um, I mean, there are a lot of criticisms about Jonathan Kent in this film, all of which I understand, but I don't agree with. Like, I think it's fine, uh, but I think it's because I have seen the Smallville version because a lot of yes. the, the way that Jonathan handled a, those things on the show are just like the one uh, from Kevin Costner. So I never understood the the uh, the critique that, oh, he shouldn't have been so hard on him to, you know, keep his secret. And I was like, that's exactly like small, small those guys. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people were kind of coming into it from more of like the Christopher Reeve movies or maybe even like the 90s Superman and Lois where, you know, if they mention Jonathan Kent, it's like in a more like, oh, yeah, Jonathan Kent, like he's more lovable. Um, whereas the character in Smallville is a lot more mixed. Yeah, he he's kind of a, a tough, uh, pricklier character. Um, but I but I like Kevin Costner in this film. I think he did a really good job of. Uh, playing the protective father and also trying to guide him. I thought everything he did was out of trying to help Clark get to the point where he was making decisions for himself about how to be Superman. Because uh, even to the the line of, you know, maybe Jonathan Kent doesn't know if he should save them or not. He's like, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is. So maybe there is a, you know, a, a question. I don't, I don't know which of those kids in that bus was mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, my only other Jonathan Kent criticism, and I'm sure this has come up a lot in like Man of Steel discussions, but um, I didn't love the way that they killed him. The tornado? Um, I didn't love the tornado. Um, I just kind of thought like, one of the things I like about some of the tellings where Jonathan Kent like dies of a heart attack is it feels like Superman can do everything, but he can't stop like you from having a heart attack. He can't um, super speed you to the hospital. I feel like he could. <laughs> I, he definitely could. He definitely could. Now um, I will say, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but uh, in the 1970s, when Superman, the movie was made, there there was less of a chance that you would survive a heart attack in that time in history. But today, people survive heart attacks all the time. I mean, Kevin Smith survived a heart attack, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so uh, I'm trying to look up the rates of uh, heart attack. Yeah, I, I, I think sort of like what I liked about the, you know, the heart attack, which sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> it's just like this idea that like Clark is this sort of all powerful. Superman is a sort of all powerful being. But like human mortality is not a thing that he has been able to figure out how to fix yet. And so like at some point, unfortunately, like we all get older, we all die. And like he maybe doesn't, right? Like he's Superman. So like the idea of like, that's sort of his first brush with like mortality. Like I can't, no matter what I can do, I can like, you know, I can fly and I can uh, have heat vision, but I can't, save somebody from dying from like natural causes whereas like the tornado i understood what they were doing in saying like this is like the sacrifices that he's made to keep his secret um under wraps and so that makes sense for why he's held on to the secret for so long it's like well if i get out there and start saving people or if i like put my name out there or if i do anything like what did my dad die for like nothing right uh, and I totally get that, but like I don't the the like the the structure of it. It's like couldn't he have? It gets you into a place where you go, well, wait a minute. Like couldn't he have just done this and this and this? And couldn't he have like snuck in some other way and then said that they got like blown away and then they like come limping back or something? Like you know, I like I it kind of it opens up too many questions for me at least where I start to like rewrite it like oh you could have done xyz and this thing and this thing and i uh, like i got where they were going for i just like i prefer the heart attack it sounds amazing i prefer it when he just dies of a heart attack well for me i see it a little differently because uh man of steel if if you kind of go through it in terms of the writing and the characters um what i like about it is that superman is a uh a representation of free will the way he comes into being the way he's born is not like the other kryptonians where uh other kryptonians are you know sort of predestined to be a certain role in the in the culture but because he is born of a natural birth he has options and he can determine his own destiny and so that comes up quite a bit with uh, within the film is that he has to make these decisions and make these choices about whether or not to, you know, stand proud in front of the human race or not. He has to constantly make these choices that only he can make. And what I think is really interesting about the Jonathan tornado thing is that, yeah, he could have run out and just super sped out there and grabbed his father and come back and it would have all been fine. But Jonathan's making his own free will choice to protect his son's identity, his secret identity, because he realizes that his interactions with the people of Smallville, where they're all kind of suspicious and they're all kind of weird about, you know, having this <laughs> kid who can pull a, a bus out of the water. Um, I think he's, and I think people also miss the fact that Clark in that scene is supposed to be like a teenager. It's kind of not, it doesn't come across because it's he's, tough because it's Henry, Henry Cavill, Cavill. like Henry Cavill. <laughs> My favorite is that like they're earlier in that scene, they're in the car 
and Henry Cavill. They tried to, I think they tried to age him down, but like this is before, this is 10 years ago. So before de-aging technology was a thing and even now de-aging technology is like medium at best. Uh, so they just kind of like made his, mushed up his hair and had Henry Cavill go like, you're not even my real dad. Which <laughs> yeah. is like my favorite thing. Like Henry Cavill acting like uh, he's like 15 years old. But yeah, I think it, it, it is hard to gauge like, okay, this is like, teenage Clark because Henry Cavill just like looks like he was chiseled out of marble like every time the camera turns to him it's just like he just looks like a like a Roman god he's like oh yes me <laughs> like so you you can, you don't really get I mean and they had this you know what I hate to keep mentioning Smallville but they had similar issues in Smallville because they'd be like oh just little old me Clark can't I'm just 14 years old and they're like in comes like 30 year old Tom Welling uh, like who's like a huge muscular very handsome man and you're like that's a grown adult man i know what a grown adult man looks like so you would like judge him by like grown adult man standards and not like 15 year old standards and it would be like shouldn't this shouldn't this adult man who has like a 401k know better than to do xyz and it's like but i'm just 15 (laughs) yeah so i think if if it was more clearly defined that like that's what i would probably try to do is make it more uh more known that he was supposed to be like a teenager, early, early twenties, you know, still kind of young. And so I think Jonathan was making his decision based on the fact that he probably thought that Clark wasn't ready, that the world wasn't ready. And so I think in that moment, that's what he was thinking about. And, and I always thought it was um, in addition to that. And I guess to finish up my thought, like the, the fact that Clark, um, because he respects his father he uh, allows Jonathan to make that free will choice for himself. And so that's, that's almost one of the things I think goes back to the idea of like Superman can't always save the day or he can't, you know, he can't prevent a heart attack or whatever, even though he totally could revive somebody (laughs) from a heart attack or super sweep them to the hospital. I don't, I don't think the heart attack thing really applies anymore. Um, But um but one thing he can't do is make somebody else's choices for them. Uh, you know, he can't, he can't, um, if, if he goes to the point where he's um, disregarding somebody else's free will or forcing something on somebody, he ceases to be Superman, in my opinion. And that's, that's kind of the problem when you get later on down the road in the Snyderverse with Darkseid and the um, anti-life equation, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so I think that part of it is kind of interesting to me, just based on like a, uh, like a, if you take it in the philosophy road, which I don't think a lot of people do, they're just like, oh, Jonathan Kent, tornado. But, um, but I think the idea of the the free will aspect of the film, um, I think is really interesting to me. And the fact that Clark, re- you know, in the scene, he's arguing with his father, and he's like, you're not my real dad. And then at the end of it, he he loves his father enough to respect him to you know make that choice. So I don't know. I just. I see why people have an issue with it. And I think there are some criticisms to it. But when I think about it in terms of like the thematics, uh, the, you know, the thematic elements of the film, I think it actually there's a point to it. Yeah. And I think it is interesting to have like, I think the Jonathan Kent character, I think people, again, were expecting him to be, you know nice <laughs> um but we know better um, but but i think like jonathan kent has a very negative like very kind of like grim view of humanity and uh, i think it's interesting to see that like by the end of like clark like 
starts out kind of sharing that, like, right, like his dad's telling him, like, you know, I can't trust these people. They'll do it. And we see a lot of examples of like, yeah, like people aren't great. Like they probably would experiment on you. Like as soon as he gets to be Superman, like the first thing that they do is like take him in a room and like kidnap Lois Lane. (laughs) But by the end of the movie, he like really does believe in humanity. He's kind of come around to the other side of being like, yeah, like people are terrible sometimes, but people are great sometimes. And I, I believe in them. Um, yeah. And I think that that is nice because we do start him and like, you know, if, if he's following Jonathan Kent's footsteps in the beginning, <laughs> he's just like not trusting people. And, uh, and sort of by the end, he kind of gets to a place where he's like, yeah, I trust the people. And like, he can even talk to like the, you know, the, military guys who wanted to arrest him and kind of have like a fun back and forth. (laughs) I was like, this is fun for us. isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. His interactions with the military uh, are pretty, pretty great. Um, So I'm going to let you dictate this discussion, Morgan, uh, because I'm very curious about your thoughts. So um, if you want to go to your notes, that's fine. But where, but where, where, since we uh, talked about Jonathan, is there any, anywhere else you want to go? Yeah, well, so what was really interesting for me is that I went to see this movie when it came out in 2013, which is somehow 10 years ago. (laughs) And I got out of this movie and I said, wow, I hated that. I hated that so much. And I have never seen it again uh, until last night when I was like, oh, boy. (laughs) I was like, and to to be fair, I was like, listen, like, I'm tired. I don't really feel like doing this whole thing, this whole movie tonight. So I'm like... (laughs) I'll watch half and then I'll call it. I'll do something enjoyable and then I'll watch the other half tomorrow. And somehow I ended up watching the whole movie. So I think that is a testament to the fact that like I did kind of get pulled. Like it got later and later and I was like, well, I mean, there's only like a half an hour left. I might as well just finish it now. (laughs) Um, But so it was funny how like some of my memories of the movie, once I saw it again, I was like, oh, Okay, because a big part of my memory of that movie was sort of the what I will call destruction porn of like the end of it. Right. And I remembered that being so much more of the movie than it actually was. Uh, I remembered it being like, oh, my God, the whole movie is just people smashing through buildings and destroying a whole city and like nobody really acknowledging that everybody destroyed a whole city. And it's really not that much of the movie, like the first hour of the movie like the first 20 minutes i think of the movie are on krypton which i did not you could have told me that i was watching a brand new movie and i would have believed you i had no memories of this whatsoever (laughs) i was like of krypton of krypton yeah i was like whoa this is wild (laughs) (laughs) watching a movie i had fully seen before going like oh my god what's gonna happen next I hope I hope Russell Crowe makes it. Uh, so I will say that was great. And then like the other like it doesn't really get into the main like hero versus bad guy plot of the movie until fully an hour into like a 2 hour 20 minute movie. So I did not remember that at all. I was like, wow, there's a lot of like character stuff I did not remember being in this movie. Wow, <laughs> Lois Lane is in this way more than I remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The memories I uh, it did not have of this movie, it turns out, were many and most of it. Uh, apparently I just like repressed it right down after I saw it the first well, time. <laughs> that's so interesting that you say that because I've been a long uh, believer of the fact that, and this is going to be something that I sort of try to think on more, um, is that with Zack Snyder films, 
a lot of people uh, watch it once, hate it, never revisit it. But when you when you revisit them multiple times, it gets better. They always get better on the rewatches. And I don't think people really understand that that happens. I know that that happens because I saw <laughs> I saw Man of Steel in the theaters 10 times and I saw BBS in the theaters 15 times. So I'm very familiar with the process of like having like letting a Zack Snyder film like wash over you multiple times. <laughs> and yeah. so so it's interesting to hear that like you're re- like it was a rewatchable uh experience for you yeah it was super interesting because i and i do feel like when you give it a couple of years too like like rewatching it where you're not so close to having just seen it and like formed an like a, a, a an original opinion on it and then you come back and you kind of revisit it and i was like I don't know, like things are different. Times are different. Maybe I've seen other movies that are like a little bit more like this. The superhero genre is a lot different in 2023 than it is in 2013. I think like tonally the movies are, you know, a lot more different. There's a lot more of them just in, you know, um, and I think maybe I was going into Man of Steel expecting a different kind of Superman. So like going into it, remembering like what the movie I had seen and like kind of having an expectation of like what Superman was like in this movie, I think made it like a different viewing experience. I think I was going in looking for originally thinking it was going to be more of like a Smallville or more of like, this is like right after I think Smallville had ended like not that long. before. It was, was, yeah, maybe 2012. Yeah. Like like, a year before. Oh Jesus. Like that, that show was on forever. Uh, (laughs) 10 seasons. And, like, maybe more of, like, a Christopher Reeve, like, more of a, I don't know, like, a like an upbeat Superman. And uh, the Henry Cavill one is really, he's not, it, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of seeing him, at, like, as he's getting to a spot where he's, like, more established. This is, like, very much like an origin story for him. Um, and so he's not, like, a little, he's not, like, Christopher Reeve or even like Tom Welling um he's like it's a different take on the character and I think going in knowing that now like allowed me to like enjoy the movie a lot more than I did the first time around where I was like I don't think that's my Superman uh so I yeah and I and I think it is interesting like I think you know that I one of the things I like about comic book stuff uh even though the market is very saturated right now so is sad. that so saturated is that like you can have a bunch of different takes on the character and no take is wrong and people like some takes and people don't like other takes and people take what what version of the character you liked very seriously but like the fun thing about superhero comics or like you know things with long histories is that you can kind of take it and tweak it and make it different so yeah like the henry cavill version is different than the christopher reeve version is different than you know dean kane or tom welling or later tyler hecklin um all different supermans and like that's chill i think i was going in the first time expecting uh expecting a little bit more of i don't know like maybe like a light-hearted clark and that's like not who we got in this in this movie um but i think going in the second time going like oh i know i know what henry cavill superman is like allowed me to be like oh man i didn't remember this krypton stuff (laughs) so let's talk about krypton i don't know if you have notes on krypton i would love to talk about krypton because (laughs) i had questions about krypton oh okay um so 
my question is, the, <laughs> my exact notes were, Krypton sections, different, neat, interesting. No natural babies? <laughs> I'm telling you, these are great notes. <laughs> so that's actually, um, uh, David S. Goyer took a lot of the inspiration for the screenwriting of this from the John Byrne Man of Steel comic series. Thank you, because that was my mm-hmm. big question was like, it felt like something that had probably been in the comics, but not in something that I've read. So I was wondering where this idea of uh, like a Krypton's uh, Kryptonese or whatever society where like all babies have sort of like deterministic roles that they have to fill. And they're all like, they all grow off of like a little like tree in the water or whatever. And then you just <laughs> harvest your baby. Uh, and then you don't do it naturally because I was, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I'd like, it's not a take on Krypton, I remember, but it felt like something that was probably in the comics at some point. Yeah, in those comics, there's no, uh, I don't think they call it a Genesis Chamber. They might, but I think the Genesis Chamber name might. I'd have to, I'd have to go back and look. I don't know if they made that up, but um, they have more like in the comics, they're more like incubator type things that like sort of, <laughs> for lack of a better term, like grow the children. Um, but it, it's the same kind of idea. If you watch sci fi's Krypton, they have something mm-hmm. similar with that as well, like how they can sort of genetically manipulate their children to be kind of what they want them to be. Um, so that I think that borrowed from the uh, Man of Steel. Com- there was a there was a reboot in the 80s uh, with John Byrne. Uh, so John Byrne came in and he sort of redid Superman's origin. And so a lot of this stuff comes from that. That's why also I think a lot of people had trouble with the Henry Cavill Superman is because. They were going into it thinking it was the Christopher Reeve Superman, which is more a reflection of the Silver Age Superman. So it was a different era of comics, which is what they had to pull from at the time they made the movie. But for Henry Cavill Superman, he's based on sort of the the modern Bronze Age uh, comic book version of Superman. And so that's a different it's a different take on the story, on the origin, on the character. Um, so I think that's why people d- don't realize, like in the comics, there's a lot of different takes on Superman. Um, and so uh, I think that even when you hear, um, uh, they call it, they call him Kelex in Man of Steel, not like Kelex. Oh, yeah. Uh, I noticed that too. But I was like, my, my man, my man's in here. <laughs> so uh, Kelex calls Laura like Lady Laura. And they do that on Supergirl too, where Kelex calls her Lady Kara. And that is also taken from um, the John Burt Man of Steel. Oh. If you if you read those comics, you'll see that the robots call them, you know, Lady Lady Laura and things like that, which I always thought oh. was a really cute little touch that they would have the robots like be so formal and how they address <laughs> <That's so cute. laughs> Lady Laura. Um, so uh, a lot of that's taken from the John Byrne uh, Man of Steel series. Um, so the the Krypton stuff. Um, I think, yeah, I think even the way the Krypton, like the planet explodes, I think it's pretty faithful to that comic book adaptation. Um, what did you, I'm curious, what did you think about the, uh, the beast, the, uh, <laughs> the uh, um, Haraka, I think is the name of the beast that Jarrell rides. Um, oh yeah, that was wild. I was like, whoa, wait, they've got like an avatar <laughs> creature here. Uh, yeah, no, I thought that was super interesting because again, like this, it felt like a very different Krypton because we usually see Krypton as like, um, like hard sci-fi almost, and this was like more of a 
almost more of like a fantasy Krypton mm. where they're like fantasy elements where it's like, yeah. And, and Jor-El has a drag, like a dragon looking creature that he rides. <laughs> like, I was like, hell yeah, he does. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> so, um, I guess, uh, uh, since since we could go long on this, I could foresee myself talking about this for a long time, just like asking you, like, what did you think of this? And what did you think of this? Um, but I again, I want you to drive this uh, discussion. So did, were there any other thoughts about Krypton that you had? No, I just really liked the Krypton stuff. I thought it was really cool. It was like, uh, like a different version of Krypton than like I've seen in some other stuff. And even in in some of the comics uh i really liked the way that they talked about the society i, I felt like even though the krypton stuff was like maybe like the first 20 minutes and like it, it did like pull through the whole movie but like i thought that like the world building was so good in that like first one i could have like i could have spent most of the movie in krypton and just been like what what's this guy's deal now <laughs> <laughs> i love his little hat what's going on <laughs> oh you mean the uh, high council yeah I, I love that the High Council, because they, they're portrayed as like these elitist people who think they're better than everybody. And I think it's very fitting that they have these big high hats that would sort of visually show that they, they are higher than other people. Yeah, they're um, like, oh, no, I don't know. I don't think the planet would ever <laughs> blow up. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think even with a lot of criticism thrown at the movie, I think most people like the Krypton uh, sequence. Yeah, the Krypton stuff is pretty great. Uh, I really liked it. And and I thought, like, obviously, like, Russell Crowe is really great. Like, casting Russell Crowe as your Jor-El is, like, pretty choice. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's good. No notes. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's like an action adventure Jor-El. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's throwing punches in there. Yeah, he is. He's, he's getting in there. I also, um, as we're mentioning Krypton... Um, like obviously all the love and all the flowers to Michael Shannon, who oh, he's so was, good. He was like, I'm committed. I want a weird hairstyle. <laughs> I want to scream a lot of my lines. I just want to <laughs> scream them. That's, that's what I feel is correct for Zod. And everybody was like, yeah, it is. Uh, he's, he's a great general Zod. I really liked it. And I liked at the end of the movie where he goes like my one purpose in life because that's how they had been designed right as they were supposed to do like a job and my one job is to protect krypton and now there's no chance of that so like he says i have no purpose i have no purpose and he was like things are gonna get weird now <laughs> <laughs> it's like whatever michael shannon wants to do i'm i'm there for <laughs> yeah that's a really good speech that he gives uh, where he like pulls up the 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 ground in his hands mm -hmm. what's the sand sort of yeah that's really good shannon's good in that one yeah he was he was great um obviously as you can see in my lower third lois lane forever forever uh, amy amy adams lois lane top-notch all-star um superhero i <laughs> loved her and it's funny because again my memory of this movie was that there was a lot less of her in there. Like my memory was like, nah, not enough Lois Lane, but it's apparent. I think that's just like a, a critique of everything that I ever read or watch about <laughs> Superman. Not enough Lois Lane yeah. uh, because there is quite a lot of Lois Lane. Like she's just like in there from the beginning. I like, like, 
I I truly love the like the old school like Lois Lane kind of like '90s like Lois and Clark like uh, 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 I'm mad at you because I like you and like that kind of like back and forth. But I did think it was a kind of a fun take because like I yeah I can't watch the love triangle uh, the with like the love the love triangle for two yeah i hate it i hate it yeah i hate it too i liked that like she uh, like immediately was like well this this fine young fellow who saved my life he's probably an alien also also, he's real good looking i'm gonna have to find this guy uh and like she she knows who he is as soon as she meets him and then at the end of the movie, I really love when he comes to work at the Daily Planet and she just kind of smirks at him because she knows. She knows She's in on the secret. She got him. She got that guy hired because all of his work experience is like, <laughs> like trapping crabs and like <laughs> felling logs and like <laughs> Dexter in the forest stuff. And she's, <laughs> and she's I don't know where on his resume he has the uh, he has the uh, chops to get a job at the Daily Planet. <laughs> Uh, so I have to assume that like Lois Lane was she like, pulled some strings. I'm gonna pull some strings. Your resume is fictional. <laughs> just learn what it says. Like I just imagine her going, and then where did you work? And he's like, Yeah, that's when I was trapping crabs. And she's like, Clark, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you were working at the Smallville Tribune. <laughs> she's like quizzing him on it. Come on, come on, get in the game. <laughs> Perry White's gonna see right through you. Oh, that's uh, so funny. Yeah, I love. I, I really liked that where he like he smiles at her and she smiles at him and they're like in on it together. I was like, yeah, you guys are. Yeah, I really liked the way that they sort of just threw the love triangle for two out the window. And I've, I've, I've get rid of it. It's not needed anymore. And I heard David Escoyer one time talking in an interview about how the studio sort of fought them on that because they were like, well, that's the way it's always been. And he was like, but it doesn't have to be. <laughs> um, and so I think that the, that's the first time that I know of that that has ever been done. And I just enjoyed that so much uh, because it made her, um, as Amy Adams has always said, you know, made her part of the solution, not part of the problem. And that's that's usually uh, an issue for Lois Lane is that typically she's part of the problem. <laughs> uh, and so in this this go around, she's part of the solution. And I always love that, you know, she's such a good reporter that she tracks an alien down to his mother's front door. That's yeah, pretty, that's pretty good. And I love how they show her doing the legwork. It's not like it doesn't take a long time in the movie, but it's like systematically you see her talking to all these people that he had like interacted with in like little bits and pieces throughout the movie of like, here's this like waitress that he, you know, he saved from like a a, a mean customer and here's this other person that he saved from like a helicopter fire or something and she was like okay well this person led me to this person this person led me to this person and this person led me to martha kent hello martha <laughs> like, like just like good old-fashioned report like she's not doing anything um anything like fancy or like out of out of left field like she's just like following clues until she gets to like where she needs to be uh which i thought was really cool it kind of shows like what a good reporter she is and like what a good investigative reporter she is and i yeah i really like lois in this movie she's like very active uh where i think as you mentioned like sometimes she could be like she was always getting into trouble lois lane is my hero because she's just like always doing things she shouldn't be doing (laughs) uh and i i relate to that but like uh in the past like she 
you know, she gets herself usually in over her head pretty easily. And in this movie, like she does that like several times, obviously uh, she almost dies. Um, in, a couple of times. A couple of times. Uh, but it feels like she's got it more together. She is helping out. She's like helping them figure out what they're going to do. She's like on that helicopter, like getting the solution to like the, the world, what are, what world the, engines. The world I wrote engine. it down. <laughs> nice. I knew I was going to forget it. I was I'm like, so, I'm so proud. Engine. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I really, in fact, one of my, um, one of my notes is I like how involved Lois is in the action. Yeah. She, uh, she goes to space. She goes, she goes to, space to space and all the way to space. Shoots Kryptonian weapons. It's the best. It's yeah, she gets, so the best. gets the little the little helmet on. I like how like how much the people are like, don't take it off or you'll die. She's like, I'll do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that moment where um the uh, like hologram of Jorel is like. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. I'm going to tell you what to do. And she's like running through and he's like left. And she's like, Ugh. and my favorite is when she's getting into the pod. And I th- I can't remember the name of like the scary lady uh, Kryptonian. Yeah. Um, but she like, Jarrell's like, well, it was like great meeting you. And also duck to the left. And she's like, <laughs> what like a like a like a blade comes right through the hologram and she ducks just in time it was really great i was like man i could watch like a whole buddy a buddy comedy of, oh yeah uh, lois Jarell lane and Jarrell, like he, where he's trying to tell her what to do and she's like not listening and he's like i told you to the left <laughs> and she's like who's left you know something like that that would be amazing yeah that i i'm i'm sad that he says in the film something to the effect of uh, we probably won't ever meet again. And I'm like, oh, I wish they would. That, Bring him back. That would be great. <laughs> um, let's, just, let's just throw up a hologram of Jarrell in every movie. <laughs> just in the background giving color commentary. <laughs> well, I think it makes sense because he comes with the little key that was created at Kal-El's birth. That's true. So I think the the fact that you can, the Kryptonian technology is actually pretty interesting because it, it's sort of like the crystals mm-hmm. in the Donniverse where like if you put the crystal in the thing, it does a thing. Yeah. Um, so that little key is kind of like a key. Anytime you go to a Kryptonian ship, it sort of reads whatever's on there. And so the Jarell AI, I, I think that's actually really clever. It was neat. Yeah. I, I liked the Jarell AI. Uh, I thought that was really cool. And obviously a great way to get him back in the movie yeah. a little bit later. Uh, doing stuff. You, if you got Russell Crowe, might as well use him. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's. Oh. Uh, I did want to point out just that Christopher Maloney had a fun death. That was uh, <laughs> an actual part of my notes. Christopher Maloney had a fun death, but he did. I like <laughs> they sort of they foreshadowed it with the uh, the Kryptonian lady being like, you know, I'll give you a death with honor or something. A good, like that. A good death is a its own re- reward. That's right. And then at the end, he was like, "Well, I'm going down with this helicopter, but." It's going to be pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he and Feora have a kind of a, a back and forth. Even uh, that starts at the scene where uh, Superman goes into the Superman and Lois go into the ship with them in sort of the desert. Uh, yeah, Feora and uh, his character are uh, they butt heads quite a bit in the film. His code name. Did you catch what his code name was? I don't think so. Is it Stabler? It's Guardian. Oh, uh oh, yeah, Stabler it's been very funny. 
<laughs> it's it's mentioned in the Smallville fight between the Kryptonians oh. when the helicopter goes down. Interesting. Oh, I like how they work the little comic book references in there. I thought that was cool. Um, yeah, so those were, you know, I liked a lot of that stuff. The even still, like the destruction part towards the end, I got like a little bit of destruction fatigue. I was like, I know, I get it. They're destroying this building. They're destroying that building. There's probably a lot of people in there. That's a bummer. Um, I like that you get like the on the ground scenes of like Perry White and Jenny, who he, he like nearly bites it really yeah, yeah. um it would have been it would have been fun if jenny was like a character that we knew from the comics unless i'm mistaken like if that would have been like a cat grant or something they're like we gotta get cat out no jenny is sort of i think just made up for the film uh a lot of people think she's like the female jimmy Olsen, which kind of she is uh but she is just uh her own character so they just uh brought in somebody New for the film. I like the actress. I also like, I mean, I liked all the, um, all the Daily Planet people. I thought Lawrence Fishburne was great. And then the guy whose name I always forget, who has been in everything, including House of Cards and uh, J- Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan or Jack Clancy's Tom Ryan, Tom Arnold. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Mike, Mike and I have a joke with that show where we just change all the names like interchangeably. So now I like legitimately don't know what it's called. Uh, so sometimes I'll be like, oh yeah, do you want to watch like Tom Arnold's Jack Clancy? And he'll know what I mean. But now I don't know what the actual show is called, which is a, a kind of a problem. I think it's Jack Ryan. Um, but that actor is also in that he's, he's like great everywhere and he doesn't have a big role in this, but I thought he was like, it was nice to have like somebody who's like got that good presence to be in those scenes where like could have just been kind of anybody, uh, being like, no, we got to get Jenny out. But like, I think that like having it be like a, like an actor I knew from somewhere made it more fun. Yeah. His name is Michael Kelly. There you go. That seems right. Yeah. He's been, I feel like he's been, he's like one of, um, I hate to say this about anybody because he's like a great actor, but he's like one of, um, he's like one of the, the, that guy actors where he's been in so many things that you're like, you know, you know, that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He plays Steve Lombard, who is typically a Daily Planet uh, staff member, the the sports guy. So he is a comic book character. So. Uh, Jenny was the only one who was kind of a, a new character and not from the comics. But yeah, I really like the Daily Planet uh, folks. There's even a small moment uh, when Lois comes back to the Daily Planet and Steve Lombard sees her coming in and he's like, oh, Perry's gunning for you, Lois. Like they, you know, they have this like real yeah. kind of like back and forth that I think is, you know, a small bit of comedy that I laugh at. And he like he tries to ask her out and she's like, no. And then he tries to ask Jenny out, and she's like, no. <laughs> I, fe- I felt bad for him. I was like, oh, he's striking out everywhere. <laughs> Your competition is Henry Cavill. It's not going to go well for you. <laughs> yeah, they could have maybe been a little nicer to him after everything went just down. A, just a bit. He almost yeah. died trying to get you out of that rubble, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny could have been nicer. She could have let him down a little bit easier. <laughs> Although he was a creep trying to do that at work. So maybe well, it was justified. They were trying to be playful with him. I yeah. I thought that, I thought the, the daily planet crew was pretty fun. Um, what else about the movie? Uh, yeah. I mentioned that I liked the twist of Lois already knowing Clark. I had that in my notes. Um, 
would have loved uh would have loved a movie with Clark and Lois actually in the planet. Like oh yeah, I want I'm I'm I was like ready for that spinoff. I, I think I think one of uh my critiques overall is that like I wish that before Batman v Superman there had been like a second Man of Steel movie, like a, a second Superman movie where like they got to do Daily Planet stuff and they got to like, I don't know. Uh, I just wanted to see more of them in that. Like now that we did the, you know, the origin story, like now is the time for his, like his second movie to be about something, you know, a different thing. And like, he's in his like more traditional role. And then like, we kind of went right from that into a team up movie. Uh, and then he never got his like second movie. So like, I really wanted to see the, uh, the Clark and Lois at the daily planet, like bantering and stuff <laughs> like that. I was like, I was like, that's like, that's my kind of stuff. I'm like, come on, get in there. And like, you know, <laughs> Of, uh, fight over assignments and <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that's uh something i would have wanted to see too i i, I wish we had gotten you know a, a chance to expand some of that unfortunately because of the way things went down the the, the arc of everything got cut off and at the knees but um I think you see a little bit of that in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice where Clark is at the Daily Planet. Like some of my favorite bits in that film are Perry like nagging Clark about, hey, where's this sports article? You're supposed to wear write this sports article. And he's like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who this Batman guy is. Stop messing <laughs> with me. Um, so you see a little bit. It's obviously a little more uh, serious in tone just because there's uh, some serious stuff going on in that film. But there's. The, the Perry White stuff in BBS is actually really funny. And um, so there is a little bit of that there, but I, I mean, I agree. I would, I wish there had been, you know, another film that was just Clark and Lois. I would have been all about that. Yeah. Um, I think, I think from, from where I was standing and back in like whatever, 2013, it seemed to me like WB desperately wanted their own version of Avengers and they wanted it so badly that they didn't realize that like the reason that the Marvel thing worked was because they like did one movie and they did another movie and they did another movie and then they started to connect those movies like little bits at a time but like everybody got introduced before they got their big team up movie and WB was like okay we've got one good move we got one successful movie let's go right to the team, team up and I was like what would we haven't even met this Batman. Uh, so it was, yeah, I think that the WB, because they were in such a hurry to like get their own Marvel magic, they didn't care to do the legwork involved. And that like made it feel, some of these movies feel like a little rushed in terms of like, I would like to get to know these characters a little bit more before they're doing like a big, you know, world ending thing. Like give me, give me the Batman solo movie. Give me like the second superman movie where he's like just on his own hanging out with lois lane like then we can do the team-up movie where they're fighting but like i don't you know they had the batman v superman had to do so much work to like this is bruce wayne and this is who he is and this is like where he's coming from and we have to establish him and then it had to take a couple breaks in between to be like huh the flash is coming so this is wonder woman and then like get back into the story and it was like it's, it, it was I don't know I I felt I felt bad I was like just let it be the movie that it's supposed to be like it's the Marvel movies have this too where it's like you know they they have to tell their story but they also have to make sure they're they're setting up the next big thing and it's like just just let it be its own story just like please one second 
But everybody wants these connected universes now. So like you kind of have to do that. Um, and I, I feel like sometimes sometimes it works great, you know, and sometimes it's to the detriment of like whatever story you were trying to tell when you have to shove in like a commercial for the next movie. Yeah, I think what some people get kind of lost in the weeds with this this whole universe that was set up with Man of Steel is that it after Man of Steel, they had crafted a five film arc for Superman. And so they were actually driving towards something. And uh, I think if we had gotten to that final culmination of what it was, I think people would have really liked it um, because it would have been a full journey for Superman. And to me, as a Superman fan, that would have been so awesome. Like this, the, it would have been such an epic story. Um, but I, I think it's, it's, uh, it's a different um, strategy from the Marvel cinematic universe. Cause they, I guess they were s- still building up to a story, but that took what 20 movies or something like this was going to take five. You know? Like this, <laughs> yeah. this, this was going to be just its own. It wasn't necessarily about like, a sequel to a sequel to a sequel to a sequel. It was like, we're trying to tell a story, um, which in my opinion, films are not episodic television. Like I kind of wish what I like about man of steel is that it feels like a film, like yeah. there's a beginning and a middle and an end. There's no post-credit sequences. There's nothing. I know I, I went it's to look for the post credit and I was like, is there no post-credit? Yeah, that's what? that's the way a film should the be. The movie does end. <laughs> Everything has a post-credit now, even movies that don't need them. <laughs> so I, I I think I think there's you know I mean there's obviously a valid criticism because Marvel had a, a successful formula, but I think they were just trying to do something different. Um, and I think if people had actually seen the full thing, my guess is that they would have finally understood it. Um, but Anyway, uh, but I think Man of Steel um, set up the world of DC Comics pretty well. Uh, and so uh, I just wish we had gotten more of Henry Cavill Superman. Yeah, me too. I thought, I mean, I, I like Henry Cavill. I, I liked him in The Tudors, which is before this movie what I knew him from. And I was like, oh, the hot guy from The Tudors is <laughs> sweet. Uh, but I liked him in that. I liked, obviously, he's great in The Witcher. Um, I thought he was a really good Superman. I thought he was like good casting for Superman. Um, I, I, I wish that they had let him have like a little bit more lighter moments, definitely in this movie. Um, but that's probably my one critique. I thought he was like, I thought he was a really good Superman. I thought like, obviously he looks like um, he's not real. (laughs) <laughs> the CGI rendering of a man. Uh, so, like, sometimes when they would do the close-ups, I was like, how is this guy real? This is wild. <laughs> he put in a lot of work uh, to look like that. Yeah, he, uh, I feel like that that man was uh, was just living on protein shakes and, <laughs> and a dream. Uh, but, yeah, he did a great, good good for him. <laughs> yeah, he he, he did it. Um, uh, yeah, I would say my only my my other big critique that like kind of hadn't changed from my 2013 viewing is I don't love that he had to kill Zod. I get narratively why they did it. Um, and I get like in the movie, I also would have killed Zod like but I'm not like that great of a person. Uh, so you shouldn't judge it by what I would do. But I feel like, you know, Superman is such a, a symbol of hope. And, and even in this movie, he's like, you know. I believe in the, you know, I believe in the people and I have to get out there and kind of show them, you know, 
who they can be. They talk a lot about him as a symbol. Um, and I just kind of felt like, I don't mind the idea of Superman having to kill. I wish it wasn't in like the first movie in his like, in in like the Henry Cavill Superman. Like it just feels like a weird, like a, it's a little bit of a harsh introduction to the character to have him kill on like the first outing, especially after all the destruction that just happened. I feel like, you know, maybe one or the other. Um, we have like it earlier in the movie, he has like a nightmare where he's like, like sinking into a field of skulls, which is uh, his rock band cover, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's a great goth band. Oh no, <laughs> Superman in the field of skulls. But um, <laughs> it kind of comes to pass by the end of it. Like the uh, Metropolis is not okay uh, at the end of this movie. Um, the moment where Superman and Lois kiss, I still I didn't like it in the 2013 viewing. I still went, oh, like, yeah. you know what? the timing of this, guys, is not great. <laughs> it's not ideal. Jenny's like, oh, all of our coworkers are dead. And they're like smooching in the corner <laughs> while they're like the ashes of the city <laughs> rain down around them. I was like, guys, read the room. Yeah, I I uh, don't mind that criticism. I do have a criticism. Criti- the only thing I would critique about this film uh, is that there's a line of dialogue that is exchanged but before they kiss. Uh-huh. And I hate that dialogue so much because it makes it doesn't make any sense. And the way that the it's spoken to Lois, I think mm-hmm. they didn't really think that line of dialogue. I don't through. remember what they said, what <clears throat> they said. Um, it's something about uh, I forget what it is exactly. Um, they say it all goes downhill after the first kiss. Oh, yes. She, that- she, she says that to him. And then he says, that's only if you're kissing a human. And I'm like, dummy, you're kissing a human. <laughs> Like, He's like, so this is going to be the best I'm going to get from you. But <laughs> no, I, yeah, it's like, uh, this is the best you're going to ever get, but I might have some better options. Like, <laughs> you know, like it doesn't, a line of dialogue makes no sense. It's dumb. And it, if it had been me, like, I don't mind the kiss. Yeah. I have a problem with the dialogue. Like, yeah, have them kiss and just don't say anything. That's, that's a better way to play. I think that would have played out a little bit better for me as well i also think if it was like more of like them being like oh my god we just like went through something and then they like kiss really dramatically i think the dialogue does undercut the scene and i also think like when they like they pull out and you see all the destruction around them and then they're just kind of macking on each other you just go "Ooh, was now the time and the place for this you guys or could we maybe have done this later Yeah, I I get that. I mean, I think that's a fair critique. And uh, the the Zod killing thing, I think, um, you know, that's obviously a big problem that a lot of people have with this film. I remember when I first saw it in theaters and when it happened, I immediately thought, well, a lot of people are going to hate this. Yeah. You know, I, I, I knew immediately that that was and I even sort of bristled at it when it happened. But the moment that he lets out that big guttural scream that that made it okay for me because it yeah it, it it was like he didn't want to do it he had to do it and I know people say well they could have written it differently they could have not put him in the situation but the it was an intentional choice to put him in that situation and make him have to make a tough choice because again in my opinion the entire film is about free will and free choice and for him to have to make that choice 
that's an important part of the storyline for him. So I don't mind it. I get why people have a problem with it. But Christopher, pretty much the only time Superman has ever really killed, to my knowledge, there's probably other instances. Um, I feel like Super Age, a Silver Age <laughs> Superman was just walking around <laughs> and golden, knocking people off buildings and stuff. <laughs> golden Age Superman was roughing people up all the time. Um, but uh, it's mostly General Zod. That he killed. Yeah. He killed yeah. General Zod in the comics. He killed General Zod in the Donnerverse. Um, uh, and Doomsday, when he kills Doomsday and BBS, they kind of kill each other. That's in the comics, too. So that's, to me, it's grounded in comic book mythology. And that so that's why I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't care as much because I see where it comes from. But I can see why people have an issue with it. And it's a fair criticism. But I think more than not... I'm okay with it. Yeah, I think that was like, I remember back in like when it came out, that was the big criticism, I think, of the movie. Um, the two big criticisms, I think, were that people didn't like that Superman had to kill somebody and that they didn't like that sort of like, I would say having just watched it, like maybe the last 30 minutes where it was just like, them fighting through buildings like building after building after building and like i think you do kind of get like a destruction fatigue almost where you're just like oh my god stop um so i think like a little bit of that giant fight could have been cut down um but yeah i think those are like the two critiques i still i still kind of agree with even like you know 10 years out i felt that way when i got out of the movie and i was like oh i don't like it and uh, i felt that way after i watched the movie last night and i was like hey that wasn't bad i had a good time uh but i was still like oh, i still don't love the killing thing and yeah yeah the destruction was still a little too much uh That's not fair. that not that none of these uh not that these movies don't tend to do that um i think this was just like a scale uh a scale issue where it became like all right. Well, All right. I think it's more so it's not so in my opinion it's not so much the destruction it's showing the real world consequences of what that dis destruction would look like cuz uh I I went to see Shazam 2 recently. Mm -hmm. Holy crap, there's a lot of destruction in that movie. But you never hear anybody talk about that. Um uh the Avengers movie, the Hulk runs through an office building full of people in Hulk <laughs> mode. They, and there's like jokes made about like nobody Those people cares. aren't okay. No, people don't care about that kind of stuff. So I think it's just because in my opinion, I think that the reason Man of Steel gets a lot of that brunt is because there's actually it feels real. With the Avengers, with the Hulk running through an office, it's like a cartoon. Um, Shazam 2, it's kind of like cartoonish. Oh, they have dragons and they're destroying everything. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> so it's like, it's, yeah. it doesn't feel real. But with Man of Steel, it's it's treated intentionally as what if this was real? Because the whole premise of Snyder's Superman is let's make a film like if Superman existed in the real world, what would that be like? So, uh, so I think the the fact that there are real consequences to that, I think is what makes it jarring for people. Cause they're used to that kind of, I hate to say this, but like kind of cartoony violence. Yeah, I would agree. I think it is a little bit more realistic. And so it is a little bit more jarring where like you suddenly start thinking like, Oh, a lot of people in that building are definitely dead. Like, definitely they are dead. Um, whereas, like, yeah, in some of the Marvel movies where they're, you know, they're fighting, you know, they'll try to save, they'll, like, save one person. You're like, what about everybody else in that building? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it is a little bit more, like, heightened reality in a lot of these superhero movies. Whereas I do feel like Man of Steel was trying to keep it 
a lot more realistic. And um, and I, I do think that the way that they kind of treat the idea of Superman is like, what if there was this guy and he could do all of these things? And like, wouldn't that be a little scary? Uh, and I thought that that actually is kind of a, like is 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 an interesting take on the character too because like I've watched the um uh the Amazon I think it's on Amazon the Amazon show The Boys which is like this I've idea. heard a lot of people talk about that I've never watched it this though. is uh, like the idea of like what if all the superheroes that you know like the Flash and Superman and Wonder Woman what if they all were kind of terrible people like wouldn't that be <laughs> Wouldn't that be kind of insane? Wouldn't that be terrifying? And uh, and like the idea is like obviously Clark and Superman is not crazy, um, but there I do think that these movies kind of plant the idea of like, it, but if he was, this would be a real problem for everybody. <laughs> like well, they take that pretty seriously, I think. And that's paired with General Zod because when he first appears and outs himself, he's scary. Yeah. Um, it's, it's shot like a, like a horror film with the, the creaking farm door and the lights. Oh, that cut, was, cutting that off. was really cool. And the, like the, the, the message coming up, uh, out of nowhere. Um, so General Zod is the negative of that. What if, what if this super powered Kryptonian being came to earth? That would be a negative experience if it was General Zod, but, uh, contrasted to him, Superman is actually, uh, you know, kind of a benevolent, um, a uh, person in a, a, a super suit who flies around in a cape. So I, I think that is, um, is a, to me, that's a pretty cool idea is like treating it as if it really, I think some, sometimes in the comics it it's been treated like, I think, um, uh, what is that comic? Uh, Superman earth one, mm-hmm. I think, uh, is the one where it sort of treats it as a first encounter story. Um, so, but that's the only kind of other, version that I know of in the comics where it's treated as like Superman is an alien. Um, so that's what I like about this is that it sort of takes that more sci-fi approach to Superman with aliens and alien encounters and things like that. So I had a question that I jotted down in my notes. You might not be able to answer this. This is very uh, weird. Jax or who is the actor? Have I seen him before? Uh, which obviously you can answer. And had that character been in the comics? Yes, actually, Jack Soar is a famous, very familiar to me. The um, name. So Jack Soar uh, appeared in Adventure Comics number two eighty nine in October nineteen sixty one. Uh, co created by mm-hmm. Otto Bender, one of the co creators of a Supergirl. So Jack Soar has been has been around uh, for quite a long time. He, uh, he he's uh, described on Wikipedia as an amoral and criminally deviant uh, or, or uh, yeah deviant scientist on the planet Krypton. He was in the Phantom Zone for a little bit, um, so he's kind of a criminal. He's a he's a, a science criminal uh, from Krypton. Uh, Jack Soar is also on Sci Fi's Krypton. You got to watch Krypton. Ah. It's great. It's great. Um, but uh, I Jack- just. Uh, uh, Hannah Wall. Uh, I'll never get her name right. Wallingham from, from uh, uh, is in yes. Krypton. She plays Jack Soar. What they they? I, if I remember correctly, um, they gender bent Jack Soar. Uh, Twist. Yeah, she's great on Krypton. We got we've got to do some stuff. We got we got to watch Krypton now. I, the, I this. So I I looked up the actor who plays Jack Soar. His name is Mackenzie Gray. He is a Canadian actor. 
I cannot for the life of me understand where I know this man from. <laughs> like, one of those things where it's like on the tip of my tongue, like I can almost see the movie that he was in. Like I can see him in the role and I'm like, what is it? It's going to haunt me for maybe the rest of my life. Uh, because I've clearly seen something with him in it. Uh, he's got a very distinctive like face. Like I feel like he's been in like horror movie stuff before. Oh um, yeah. You do watch a lot of those. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably what it is. Like I kind of see him and um, it, it's never going to come to me. Although apparently he was in an episode of legends of tomorrow. Oh. But that's definitely not what I'm remembering, <laughs> which is the funny thing. I'm like, I, I got to Legends of Tomorrow and I was like, is it that? And I was like, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> what is it? I'll never know. Yeah. So I don't know what you know him from, but Jack Swar is uh, a pretty famous uh, Kryptonian from the comics, having done a lot of criminal things. So it's uh, fitting that uh, Jack Swar is a pal of General Zod. Man, this guy's been working forever, and it's and none of the stuff is the stuff I feel like I, I'm remembering. <laughs> I'm just I'm gonna wake up in the middle of the night tonight, and I'm gonna be like, "That's it." Um, <laughs> but it will do me no good in any aspect of my life. Like You'll have most to report of the knowledge back. I have. I will. I will report back whenever I remember what it is that I've seen this guy in. But uh, a plus for him, he made an impression. <laughs> Um, okay, my last question. Okay. Um, uh, and I'm going to read it from my notes because okay. I took really, I remember that these are great notes. <laughs> All the codex in Clark's jeans, question mark? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you can answer that question. <laughs> so that is a, a different take on the Kryptonian mythology. Um I think it's really interesting that um, in addition to sending little baby Kal-El off in the pod, Jarrell is literally sending him off with their Kryptonian culture embedded in his DNA. I think that's actually a really cool idea. There's um, uh, Zack Snyder uh, had talked about in the past that like that skull that Jarrell goes up and gets um, so mm -hmm. that he can sort of melt it down into the little sparkly bits that go into Kal-El. Um, that that is actually, if I remember correctly, it's been a while, but I think that's the skull of like the first Kryptonian. So that's oh. so that's like their their literal heritage and their history and their culture uh, embedded in that um, in that skull. So I, I think it's a really neat idea. I know it sounds pretty crazy that like <laughs> all of their like Kryptonian stuff goes into him. Um, it's, it's kind of a wild idea, but I think it's actually pretty cool that, uh, you know, he carries Krypton with him everywhere he goes. I think that's a really cool idea. That is really cool. I, I have an update on Jack's war. Oh, I'm excited. It's an unexpected update. And I, I still <laughs> got to be honest. Don't think this is the thing I'm remembering. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out he was on an episode of Supergirl. Oh, what? Yeah. What? Okay. All right. What's his character's name? Uh, let me find it. Gregor. He was in one episode in 2017. So not sure <laughs> what that episode was about. Huh. Okay. It looks like it was Crisis on Earth X, part one. Oh, my God. Maybe this is where I know him from. Because I feel like <laughs> he would be a villain, right? Yeah. Okay. Huh. 
I wish I could pull a picture up of him. Yeah, me too. Huh. He played well, well, Gregor. You remember Gregor, right? <laughs> <laughs> the most important character in Crisis on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to go back through and uh, look at that and uh, see what we can find. That's a really funny find. Um, actually, um, the General Zod that's in Supergirl at the end of season two, where um, Superman and Supergirl fight each other because Superman thinks that Supergirl is actually General Zod. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that big fight. The guy who plays Zod is actually in Man of Steel. Oh, really? So Small there's world. a there's a lot of it's connections back and forth. And I'm so, sure you I'm sure you recognized um the guy who was helping Dr. Hamilton, I, the military guy. I did. But why did I recognize him? Because he played awesome Dr. He played Dr. Hamilton on Smallville. On Smallville, right? Oh my god, yes. Yeah. Every time they were talking about they were like talking to Dr. Hamilton, I was like, why isn't this guy answering? I don't understand. I think he was also in Battlestar Galactica. He was, yeah. Yeah, I, I obviously this filmed in Canada somewhere because the Canadian actors are like ripe, <laughs> like ripe in this. <laughs> like you can't turn around without bumping into a Canadian actor. <laughs> yeah, a lot of this, uh, some of this was filmed in Illinois. Oh, uh, I don't, I, I don't know where all the locations are, but uh, some of the Smallville stuff was in Illinois. Oh. Uh, yeah. So uh, lots of small billion connections. So my last question, final question. Including that- including Amy Adams as Smallville. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Amy Adams was in Smallville. One of her best roles. <laughs> as the fat sucking girl. <laughs> Not joking. <laughs> it's always fun. That's always a fun one to pull out of parties. Did you know that Amy Adams was in Smallville? She like sucked the fat out of things. <laughs> it was a great show. Um, yeah. So your final question. My final question is, what uh, what Man of Steel stuff have you seen, have you noticed in the Flash promos? Like, how do you think it might connect? This is a good question because this is the whole reason that we're doing this. Um, so the uh, Flash movie trailers seem to be depicting uh, Zod coming in the uh, military. So in Man of Steel, there's like a military sequence where Superman's standing. I guess it's actually, if you're watching the video, uh, he's standing in front of the military and uh, Zod, he's actually going to meet General Zod for the first time. And uh, they pick Superman and Lois go up into the ship and then they do Kryptonian experiments on them. Um, So it seems like it's maybe around that sequence with the, the military. Um, but because there, it seems like there's no Superman, but there's a Supergirl. I'm trying, you know, I, I don't know how that's going to be changed oh, or different. Interesting. I wonder if this, I mean, since this whole movie is about like alternate realities, I wonder if we'll see some Man of Steel stuff, but it'll be Supergirl instead of Superman. It sort of seems like that. There's mm-hmm. there's also a shot of the world engine sort of picking up cars and ah. like terraforming the earth that's also appeared in uh flash movie trailers and i think the visual effects guy who worked on man of steel uh dj dejardin who was at the full circle event actually cool. really funny awesome guy by the way um he also i think worked on the flash movie because they needed him in order to to make Whoa, those sequences cool. uh, uh different um so 
Yeah, I think they're they're gonna um, pull some of these sequences and do something different with them. But I, I kind of wanted to make sure I revisited it and wanted to since we were gonna talk about the Flash movie. I was like, well, if Morgan hadn't seen this in ten years, I haven't seen it in ten years. There was you, no you need way a refresher. Was, there was no way I was remembering. Uh, <laughs> like I didn't remember that they they were on Krypton for twenty minutes. I was like Krypton. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. Uh, so yeah, that I would have been very confused about, about the visual references. I would have been like, what's that supposed to be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I there's uh, General Zod with his full armor on. Um, so I don't know what Zod is doing in the movie, but it seems like Zod mm-hmm. and Supergirl are uh, buttonheads. Yeah, buttonheads. Like Interesting. She, she might know him or something. I don't know. Hmm. But it seems like they're recreating some of these Man of Steel sequences for some Well, reason. I'm I'm excited for when our lives change when we see this movie. Uh and I think we're we're prepared for it now. And now now we're ready to go. Now we are uh refreshed and uh now we can uh see it uh, for uh, a new viewing and see how somebody (laughs) else interprets it, I guess. Um, Okay. Well, I think that's going to do it for our thoughts on Man of Steel. Thank you, Morgan, for indulging me. I know this was not something that you initially wanted to do, probably. Um, I was like, do we have to? (laughs) Um, But it turns out, it turned out that I had a good time watching the movie. So it it all turned out well in the end. Well, I'm glad to hear that. So thank you for being a good sport and (laughs) watching a movie that you didn't originally like. And now I'm prepared for the greatest film of all time. I'm excited about it because now (laughs) now my expectations are really high. So uh, Well, Jaden loved it. Jaden loved it, so it must be delivering on all cylinders. All right. Well, before we get out of here, uh, maybe we can make a few uh, Man of Steel snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Okay. So what is your preferred method of fighting General Zod? Using a Kryptonian weapon and guided by Jor-El's AI or telling General Zod to go to hell? <laughs> Just like Martha Kent, one of the coolest Martha hell. Kent. <laughs> uh, one of the coolest Martha Kent moments uh, ever in the history of Martha Kent. Um, I would love to shoot a Kryptonian weapon. I think uh, telling General Zod to go to hell is going to get you choked a little bit it's not gonna go great for you probably yeah so i i'd like to maybe go to space and shoot some kryptonian weapons yeah i think i'm gonna go kryptonian weapon as well also that Jorel ai seems really fun <laughs> i'd like to just hang out with him and just be like what's up and he's like i'm telling you to shoot the weapon and i'm like yeah but like what's your planet like what, <laughs> did you did you name the little dragon guy what was his <laughs> name what did he like to eat uh so i'd probably also die but like i would have like a fun conversation <laughs> <laughs> he would get so frustrated he'd with be you. like just shoot it <laughs> <laughs> No judgments on your snap judgments. All right, and now it's time to get to some DC TV podcasts and Supergirl Radio plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that 
includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired. DC TV Podcast also has a Tee Public store, so if you are in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the Tee Public store link at the top of the page. Hello, and thank you for calling the DC TV Podcast Hotline. Please listen carefully as some of our menu options have changed. Supergirl Radio, press 1. The Flash Podcast, press 2. Legends of Tomorrow Podcast, Press 3. The Lithuation Room? Press 4. DC on HBO Max Podcast? Press 5. Stargirl Podcast? Press 6. Superman and Lois Radio? Press 7. Green Lantern Podcast? Press 8. The Sandman Podcast? Press 9. Justice League Dark Podcast? Press 10. DC After Dark? Press 11. For all other inquiries, please stay on the line and the next available agent will be with you shortly. And since we talked about Man of Steel, we have some designs in the T Public store we'd like to suggest. Yeah, there's a t-shirt in there that I like that says, uh, just directed by Zack Snyder. And uh, so <laughs> I would like to, I, I wear it sometimes thinking, yeah, my life is directed by Zack Snyder. I, I'd like to believe that. Um, and there's also a t-shirt in there in, a same, in the same vein as, uh, you know, sh- sort of showing uh, film credits where it says music by Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL, which I think <laughs> is pretty fun. Because uh, Hans Zimmer... Uh, made one of the best film scores ever with Man of Steel. That's uh, probably uh, something people might disagree with, but not hyperbole. I think it's one of the best ones ever uh, ever recorded and composed. Um, so I Tom wish Zimmer more- is a real one. I- I'll be honest. I, I like, I mean, he's like a, a great in the film composer uh, arena, I believe. He's my favorite. I know people are like, yeah, John Williams, John Williams. I'm like, mm, the Hans Zimmer. Uh, that's that's my guy. So uh, I love Hans Zimmer's uh, score. So we have a T-shirt in there that uh, you can represent uh, his uh, score he does with Junkie XL. I will say one of my favorite scores of all time is a Hans Zimmer. And it's from the delightful Christmas movie, The Holiday. Ah, sometimes I'll just put that on when I'm like working on something and I'm just like delightful. Like, oh, I'm in a cottage in England now. <laughs> <laughs> He's He has a, a, a wide variety of things. He did uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. He did um, Gladiator. He did uh, it, um, Inception and Interstellar, all the kind of the Nolan films, the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, the Lion King uh, I'm trying to think of some other things. I'm like blanking on. T- he did Megamind. Megamind has an underrated uh, score. Um, one of my top five uh, comic book related films. But anyway, so uh, Hans Zimmer, great. Uh, everyone should listen to his stuff. I'll have to check out The Holiday. I don't listen to it much. So oh. it's it's a great one. It's one of my favorite. It's, it's so random, too. It's like one of my favorite film scores. I like The Holiday. I wouldn't say it's like one of my all-time favorite movies. But the film score is like straight fire. So I put it on a lot. <laughs> and I'm just like, I need to like concentrate. It's like, it's it's kind of calming. But it's got like a nice beat to it. Okay. Uh, I also think I saw, speaking about Hans Zimmer, I I don't know... If he was, maybe he was at this. I can't remember. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was in London 
where and we decided to go my mom and I were in London and we decided to go randomly to see like a show and we saw a salute to Michael Caine um, oh <laughs> which was really cool was he there and Michael I think I, Michael Caine was there and he would come out and he would talk about his life and his career and then they would show like clips from his movies and then they would sometimes have like special you know you know, messages from his friends and stuff like that. And I believe I could be wrong, but I think that Hans Zimmer came out and played the theme from inception on the oh, piano during, he, he probably played, uh, that time track, which always, uh, that's yeah, so, yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. Oh man. I'm well, jealous. Some, somebody played that track on the piano and it, it was amazing. Was I think it was Hans Zimmer. And I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. It was, it was so, it was fu- funny. Cause we were like, I was like, let's go see like a show while we're in London. You know, they've got like great stuff. And there wasn't like, we went to see a West End show, which was great. We went, saw Bring Up the Bodies, which is one of the Wolf Hall, like Anne Boleyn, Thomas Cromwell um, plays, which was fantastic. And then I was like, well, like, let's see what else is, is going on while we're there. And I saw a salute to Michael Caine. I turned around <laughs> and I was like, do you want to go see Michael Caine? <laughs> So we just amazing. Ran, it wasn't it wasn't super expensive, and so we just like we went and we saw it, and it was like crazy. It was really cool. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So I, I always think of that when I think of Hans Zimmer. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Like they I, at the very least, they I might be a liar in saying that he was out there playing the piano, but they did play the t- theme from Inception, and I was I'm, like, man, that music's good. I'm I'm pretty sure it was him because he that seems like something he would do. Um, he uh, notably is in the first music video ever uh, aired on MTV. He's in video. Ki- uh, he's in video. Killed the mm-hmm. He's the keyboardist in that. In no. That yeah. Oh my god, that's amazing! I did not. That's a fun fact. I'm pulling out. <laughs> guess what? Guess who's got a, a Hans Zimmer fun fact? I, I could talk about. <laughs> I could talk about Hans Zimmer all the time because for Man of Steel, he. Um, he uh, based a lot of his, he actually did some two, two really unique things. He uh, had a lot of percussion, which is not normally in a Superman theme. There's a lot of horns uh, traditionally, but he gathered like, I don't know how many of the best drummers in the entire world. And he got them all in a room together and they made up these beats. There's like uh, behind the scenes stuff on the water tower music uh, YouTube channel that people can check out. But um if you hear the like the oil rig sequence, there's a lot of drums in that. He's he literally had gotten the best drummers in the world together to do that. Is like, and then he also uh, he created his Clark Kent theme around piano and slide guitar because he was trying to think of things that were like a, a musically like kind of Americana, and so this. Mm-hmm guitar is what he sort of it was interesting to hear him talk about because he's not american he's you know i think he's german um but he uh the way he talked about america and the way he thinks about america it just was such a neat thing to hear him speak on that um but all of the the sounds he had created all these sounds off slide guitars and recorded them and had the slide guitarist do these like cool sliding things and he would record like a sound library so that he could like play it on a keyboard he could play to do whatever he wanted Hans Zimmer is like the coolest composer (laughs) he's ever like he's just like he's the coolest he is a 
he is an amazing genius. So I, I'm going to stop talking about Hans Zimmer because that could go on too too long. But I, I'll I'll link all the uh, the videos that I'm talking about in the uh, uh, video description below and also in the audio podcast show notes because everybody needs to see him. I, I hope it would give people more appreciation for the score because there's really well thought out. Well, anyway, uh, let's uh, thank our Legion of Super sponsors for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon. These people are. Uh, Michael, uh, Anne-Marie, Yvonne, Quinn, Nicola, Abby, Miriam, Nicole, Brian, Ethan, Danny, Tara, and Majuba. If you would like to also do that, you can go to patreon.com slash supergirlradio. And uh, if you want to keep up with me, you can do that uh, a couple of ways. You can uh, follow me on Bureau True Social at Derby Kid. I'm on Instagram at The Derby Kid. I'm also on YouTube at youtube.com slash duckmokeprod. So if you want to subscribe and uh, check me out there, you can. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. And you can also find me uh, as a co-host on the uh, Legendary Lady podcast, uh, formerly the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, where we've got like a, 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 a pretty good slate of stuff that we're going to talk about, including, I believe, the Flash finale, uh, which should be fun because uh, none of us have watched in a very long time. <laughs> uh, so we're going to watch the finale. And we're just going to check in and be like, how did we think it ended with like almost no <laughs> no context? Because <laughs> uh, Amy used to be on the Flash podcast, right? She used to actively podcast about the Flash, and she hasn't watched it in um in several seasons. So I think it'll be fun to get her perspective on like how she thinks that the the show ended, having been like so involved in talking about it for so long. Interesting. I can't wait for that. It's also very important for me to uh, to issue a correction that I have figured out where I know Jax are from. <laughs> it was haunting me, and I'm sure it was haunting. It wasn't Gregor from uh, Crisis. It, it wasn't Gregor from. It's more esoteric than that. It turns out it is from a horror movie. So I was right. Called Grave Encounters, wow. uh, which is like a found footage horror movie that I found on Netflix one day and became one of my favorite horror movies because it is like if you've ever watched those ghost hunter shows, like uh, that's on like Discovery and stuff like that, where they or Travel Channel, where they go in, it's like oh, like one hardcore guy and like his like group of people and they like pose a lot and then they like <laughs> go into the houses and they like scream at the ghost. They're like, show yourself, coward. <laughs> um, this is like, what if there were actual ghosts in the thing that they went to see? And what if like the ghosts start like, you know, killing them? Uh, oh. and it's 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 a fun movie. It's a fun horror movie. It's like a, it's like an hour and, and a half. It's like an it's like a tight 90 minute horror <laughs> movie. It's found footage. So if you don't like found footage, you probably won't like it. It's like mostly like it's the cameras that they all have because they have a camera crew and they have cameras set up and then you see like the creepy stuff and they're in like um an old asylum or something like that that like the inside starts changing on them. It's it's fun. It's got a little bit of a house of leaves feeling to it. It's a very quality Netflix movie that you would find maybe at some point in spooky season. And so it was it was haunting me because he plays like the paranormal investigator or something that's always like, oh, I can feel the spirits in here. <laughs> and then they they like pretend like the the and then like the cut is done and he's like, all right, guys, let's get lunch. <laughs> like, like complete, like it's complete BS to him uh, until things start like actually happening. Yeah. And I was like, oh God, I know I know this guy from somewhere. Like he's got like one of those faces. Like you wouldn't forget it because it's very unique. And I was yeah. like, once I was scrolling down those Wikipedia, I was like, that's it, grave encounters. Yeah. 
So it doesn't, I can sleep, I can sleep tonight now, <laughs> knowing that I know where I know him from. Well, I'm glad we solved that. Uh, that, that, that I knew the listeners needed to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so good. Well, I'm glad that we uh, reconnected with Jack Sawyer and figured that out. Okay, well, that is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And we'd like to welcome you to the planet. McGurk! I love not typing. Not messing my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you <laughs> like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this show. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean? No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio.